Hello and welcome back to the podcast with me, Mel Sainsbury. I'm Nature's Menu resident vet nurse and we're leading the charge to showcase the benefits of raw and natural pet food. It's super exciting introducing a new furry friend to the family, but it can be challenging too, particularly if you have young children or other pets. So how can you make sure your perfect new addition fits in with the rest of your household? In this episode, I'll be chatting with the talented Sarah Parker to find out more. Sarah has one fully trained assistance dog and two young pups who are currently in training, and she's built a positive relationship with all three of them. We're here on the grapevine, and I know personally that Miska is great around children. So welcome to the podcast, Sarah. Yeah, thanks, Mel. So can you share some of the best ways to ensure your new dog feels right at home from the get-go? You're obviously well experienced in this field, as you have a number (laughs) of dogs, I know. Um, So how do you make sure that they feel settled in right from day one? With dogs in the past, obviously, you know, I used to breed and show dogs myself. Any puppy that comes into a household, you usually start off with keeping them separate from any other dog, especially if they're unvaccinated. But it's more common sense than anything. It's, you know, introduce your other dogs calmly and quietly and through a cage rather than face to face straight away. Um, Same with kids and things like that. If you've got young children, get them to sit on the floor. You know, don't go straight into the faces of the dogs and be all hands on. Take it all nice and slow and calmly. It's quite terrifying for a young puppy coming home, isn't it? Because they've grown up with their litter mates often. They've got mum by their side. They've got humans that they know. They've got smells that they know. And then all of a sudden we take them away from absolutely everything they've ever known and plonk them in a lounge, surround them with adult dogs, children. Everyone's coming at them. So I can imagine it's quite scary for them when they first come home. Yes, very much so. Give them as many toys as you think you can give them, cuddly blankets, things like that. And just always reassuring them, giving them cuddles so that they know that the person that's knowing their owner is basically the one that they respond to the most. Lovely. So obviously it's not always the case that the new dog can make an instant connection with the children or the already pre-existing animals. Why do we think this is and how can owners sort of make sure that next interactions are a little bit more positive if the first few haven't gone according to plan? I think a lot of it depends on whether the puppies come from a breeder that's got children in the first place. If a puppy's not been instantly socialised with young children, it can prove to be harder to train them to be used to them. But I find the best way of doing it is, again, you sit the children on the floor and they don't get up off the floor until the dog is put away. And it's all positive reinforcement. So as long as the child is calm and quiet and is taught to respect the puppy, is producing their hand first so the pup can sniff them, then tickling the chin, not just putting the hand straight out and stroking straight onto the head because that'll scare any dog not just a baby Hmm. um it is literally it's a case of sitting them both down together and parent always staying within hands reach and again it's all training um treat rewards and keeping the dog happy keeping the child happy and would you say that's sort of a similar way on how to introduce um, new environments? So obviously when they come home, generally they go straight into the house, but then they've got the garden to tackle. They may be going round. Yes, same with everything um, in the garden. I tend to put them on a lead first so that they've not just got a full run of everything. Keep them in a small area or set up a small pen area where they can take it in a bit at a time and then just slowly extend the pen as much as you wish. Or, or if you prefer them to stay in a smaller area, keep them in that smaller area so they know that's their space space and nobody's going to bother them perfect no I think that's really sensible and I think I think a lot of the times we don't give 
even our adult dogs, let alone our puppies, we just don't give them enough time to take in the situation, do we? So it's a bit like us going to a party where you don't know anybody. You walk in the room and you want to take sort of just 10, 20 seconds to yourself to just have a little look around and think, do I know that person? Do I know that person? Oh, I think I know that person. I might make a beeline for them. You just need that few seconds to sort of sit back and assess, don't you? So I think it's definitely the same with our dogs. Yeah, definitely. Um, what sort of things do you think we should be looking out for if our dogs or puppies are a bit uncomfortable? What sort of signs do you think they would show? Uh, usually dropped ears, flattened ears, tail tucked down, completely submissive behaviour um, usually is the way. Trying to run and hide. I've seen puppies do that that have come in for foster care in the past. So they're just absolutely terrified. For example, my assistance dog, she was like that when we got her at six months old. She was a rescue and she'd been bought as a, at the time, the Game of Thrones direwolf puppies, uh, and then was locked in a crate pretty much for six months. So she had no socialising skills, didn't know how to be a dog, no idea how to walk in a lead properly. And now she's a fully qualified assistance dog. So Yeah, and I can say from experience, she's the total opposite of that now, isn't she? Yeah, very <laughs> much so. Loves people, butterfly. loves dogs, loves any other animal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, love her. Um, so why do you think dogs can sometimes be aggressive towards children and other animals? Is it just because people haven't taken it slowly or does it mean they've been cruelly treated as a lot of people like to claim or why do you think sometimes they do appear to be acting aggressive? It's not always the dog that's at fault uh, and I think that's the biggest problem is people just think oh it's automatically it's the dog's fault. It depends on how you socialise your dog, how you train your dog, how you let children react with your dog. If you're going to let a child come blaring in all noise, all hands to a dog that's never experienced that, you're going to have a dog that's going to be terrified and the first thing it's going to do is snap Mm. because that's its defence. That's the only defence a dog has got. Mm. Um, Whereas if you bring a child into the house that's quiet and calm and sit them down quietly and the first thing they do is give the dog a treat or a toy to play with, that dog is going to react completely differently to that experience. So what do you think owners should do if they do see, I mean, especially with lockdown, um, now we're sort of coming out of lockdown, fingers crossed. Um, Obviously, people are going to have family around their house. They're going to have friends in the garden. So if they have got a dog during lockdown and they notice that the dog might be a bit growly or a bit grumbly or its ears are flat back to its head when maybe a toddler walks in the back gate or a young child how do you think the owner should cope with that in that moment in that kind of situation um I had not quite the aggression side of the issues with Nuka when she was a youngster but she had a bad habit of trying to jump on people when they came in just to say hello more than anything so I find the easiest way of doing it is put a lead on them sit them beside you and constantly talk to them, stroke them, give them treats every time they're happy. You know, if someone comes over and says, can I say hello? And the dog is happy to say hello, click, treat, well done for being good. And the more positive reinforcement you can give to a dog, the more they will respond. Mm. I think it's about trying to keep that, that if it, if it is a child or an animal, keeping it at a distance that your yeah. dog feels yeah. safe and comfortable yeah. rather than sort of forcing the issue and saying, no, you will say hello and you will be friendly. It's about Very much so, a yeah. safe distance. Yeah, lovely. Nature's Menu is dedicated to the health and well-being of its pets and yours. Discover the world of raw and more by visiting naturesmenu.co.uk. The Pupcast podcast is offering an exclusive 20% discount to its listeners. Simply enter Pupcast20 at the naturesmenu.co.uk checkout. Do you think off the top of your head that any breeds are better with children and other animals? Or do you think it's all down to how they're raised and how the owners react? 
I've heard this one a lot of the years <laughs> of dog breeding and showing and things like that as well. Working on discovered dogs for seven years, yeah, you hear it constantly. Large breeds, there isn't a breed out there that I wouldn't trust with the child if it's brought up right. Not one. Um, if they're brought up and socialised correctly and the child is taught to respect the dog, I can't see why there would be an issue. Toy breeds, in my experience, you've got to have a child that will sit on the floor and sit calm because if you pick, a, say, a Pomeranian puppy up, you know, that's a tiny, less than 10-ounce puppy at eight-week-old. Mm. You drop that puppy from any height, even a small child's five-year-old height, you're going to kill it instantly. Mm. You know, so it is a case of you have got to teach that child to sit on the floor and be calm and quiet and let the puppy sit with them, whether it's on their lap, nice and calm, or beside them having a stroke or a play with a toy or anything like that. It's got to be on the dog's terms, not the child's. I think that's another thing that we totally take for granted and are completely naive to, aren't we? That if we bring home a big, a large breed dog, like a Labrador, a child can't pick that up. It's not physically possible. Whereas if we bring home a miniature Dachshund, they're very easily accessible and they can scoop them up and carry them around and pick them up and do whatever they want to them. And it's it's just not fair, really. They should be all treated as an equal and they shouldn't be scooped up and and carried around like rag dolls most of the time. Dogs are dogs that have got four feet that should be on the floor. Yeah. As a toy breed, breeder and exhibitor, you see, I mean, you see at Crufts, everybody carries the dogs around um, when they're small breeds, but at a place like Crufts, you've got no option. But a, a dog is a, an animal that should be walking around on four feet, not being carried around in arms or in bags or in prams. Yeah. And the other thing is, I think, with the small breeds, like you say, sometimes they can be maybe temperamental with smaller children. But I think it, it must be a pretty scary world down there. I've, I've often said this to um, people that I've spoken to before when they say, oh, yeah, my little dog, he doesn't really like walking down the high street or he doesn't like a crowd. And yeah. I often say to them, well, you imagine walking down the high street or, or going through a crowd on your belly and you've yeah. got to snake your way through on your belly and all you can see our feet coming at you at speed. I mean, that must be terrifying to be that tiny and not be able to look up and see the expressions on people's faces, just be heading towards hundreds of thousands of feet every day. But yeah, so I think it's all about putting yourself in that animal's position as well, isn't it? And understanding how intimidating things can be. Definitely. Yeah, most definitely. So how long in your experience, because I know you've had big ones, small ones, round ones, thin ones, um, (laughs) how long do you think it can on average take dogs to get used to cats? Because you've got a couple of cats yourself as well, haven't you? Uh, Yeah, I've got an old, she's an old girl now. Um, She's about 12 now, but I've had cats all all my life as well as dogs. Um, I find the easiest way, if you're bringing a kitten into a house with dogs, is keep it in a small crate that it's got space you know an area where it's it knows it's safe away from the animal and again keep your dog on a lead and introduce them nice and slowly and calmly if the dog's getting too much for the cat take the dog away and do it again at another point don't push the cat and don't push the dog if it's Mm. the other way around if it's a puppy introducing to an older cat to be fair it's it's pretty much the same thing keep your puppy in a puppy pen or a crate and bring the cat in in a crate and put the crates close together but not right up against each other And again, it's a case of training with treats and reward basis with the puppy. Most cats will take treats, um, but cats can be quite temperamental. Um, (laughs) Cats aren't quite as easy to train as a dog. And they'll decide on their own back as to whether they'll get on with the dog or not. If they're not happy, they'll stay at the way. If they're not too bothered, then they'll, they'll tell the dog whether they're happy or not. 
Um, mm. As my dogs have learned over the years that if they get too much for us, you'll, they'll get a clout on the nose yeah. and they soon <laughs> learn to leave her alone. <laughs> Why do you think it's traditionally thought that cats and dogs don't get on? Do you think that's really reminiscent of cartoons when we were younger with dogs chasing cats? Honestly, yeah. Um, I've been watching a programme recently on TV and my husband keeps telling me I shouldn't watch it because it gets me wound up. But it's basically these people that haven't trained their dogs to respect cats and haven't trained their cats to deal with dogs. And again, it is all down to how you train your dog. If you just bring a dog and a cat into a household and leave them to it, They'll never get along. You know, your cat will live upstairs and your dog will live downstairs. And as soon as they meet each other, they'll just be one big scrap. Whereas if you're going to bring training in and do it calmly and quietly and in a positive way, then you're far more likely to have a dog and a cat that will get along perfectly. Mm. And again, I think it's all about safe space, isn't it? If you think about people that have got a fear of spiders, you might be okay if the spider's 20 foot away. But if it comes within 10 foot of you, you might be absolutely terrified. But after a while, if you're getting positive, if somebody was drip feeding me chocolate whilst that spider was 10 foot away, I'd be fine. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I'd be fine with that. (laughs) But if the spider was 10 foot away and I wasn't getting anything, then maybe I wouldn't be fine. Um, So, yeah, I think it's all about safe distance, isn't it? Like you say, and, and just giving each other space that's the thing yeah rather than yeah as long as as long as each animal has got somewhere it can get away to to a safe area then the uh, cats like high up places um we have cat trees and things like that for us so if they want to get away from where the dogs are especially from the malamutes because they can pretty much reach anywhere they want to <laughs> um so we have a safety gate at the bottom of the stairs and my cat tends to live upstairs She'll go downstairs Mm. if she's in the mood just to wind them up and then she'll go back up again where she knows they can't get to her. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. That's just what cats do. (laughs) Yep, I know that very, very well. (laughs) She quite happily sits at the top of the stairs looking at them. um, Almost waving at them as such. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. She knows pretty well well. they can't get near her, but she'll sit there and wind (laughs) them up anyway. Um, and finally, so obviously we've talked about cats quite a lot, cats and dogs quite common um, to have in the same household. How do you think people should tackle introducing dogs and puppies to other animals? So obviously we've got things like rabbits and guinea pigs that may live at people's houses. But then obviously in the wider world, we've got fields of cows and sheep and horses and people on horses, etc. So how do you think they should go about introducing them to those sorts of things? Well, as training and assistance dog, you've got to get your dog used to absolutely everything, no matter what it is, animals, planes, cars, buses, trains, you name it, they've got to get used to it. They've not got to flinch at them. They've not got to try and chase things or anything like that. They've just got to be calm around it all. So the way we we did it is um, with Nuka, I took her into places like Pets at Home and just sat her by the rabbit pens and things like that and let her watch them. And as long as she was calm, she got a treat and a reward from it. If she got up and tried to wag her tail or pay too much attention to them, we took her away and brought her back again and calmed her down and got her to sit and chill out again. And same mm. with the hamsters. She loves to sit and watch the hamsters run around in their mm. tanks in pets at home for hours. Um, and she's got no interest in trying to chase them or anything. She just loves sitting and watching them. She's best friends with a little Shetland pony up the road from us. Um, they run up and down the fence line with each other quite happily but again it's all a case of training we've just had recently had a farmer put sheep in the field at the end of our road so we've been training the girls um, Mishka and Sif the puppies to get used to being around them so they're not again Malamute is a high prey drive breed um, so a sheep to them is great fun as you can imagine (laughs) Um, so trying to teach those two that sitting and being calm 
is a much better way to behave around another animal rather than going hell for leather chasing after them. Because so many people will go for walks with the dogs and let them off lead without even a thought as to whether the dog will come back or whether the dog will chase something. I've seen it happen many, many times and then the dog just chases and doesn't come back and then people lose the dogs and it mm. happens very very often so teaching one teaching dog to recall an easy one to do if you're willing to put the effort in if you're not willing to put the effort in to teach your dog to recall then don't take it off a lead simple as that yeah definitely um, I've I've actually seen a lot of that over the last 12 months with lockdown of people going for walks because they need to get the daily exercise and taking the dog with them but previous yeah. to that they haven't really exercised the dogs or trained them or taken them for a walk and they think oh this is a lovely place to let them off and they've just got absolutely no recall whatsoever and they end up running through yeah. the forest and god knows what else trying to chase after them yeah I mean Mishka doesn't go off the lead at the moment if we're in an area where there's squirrels because squirrels are fun <laughs> Um, with Mishka at the moment, bless her, she's an absolute sweetheart and loves children, loves other animals, things like that. But if it's a squirrel, as far as she's concerned, that's fair game. Um, <laughs> she's not fussed about anything else bar squirrels. Um, so, yeah, if we're in an area where there's squirrels, then she has to stay on a lead, unfortunately. Being the breed she is, sled dog breeds do tend to have quite a high prey drive yeah. because they weren't only used for sledding when they were an early breed um, and before they became pets. They were hunting dogs as well. Alaskan Malamutes were originally used not only to keep people warm in their igloos and things or pulling the sleds to keep the families and clans moving, but they were also used to hunt um, polar bear and seal as well as many other things. Uh, so, you know, the dogs were predators at one point as well and would take down anything they were told to take down. So, yeah, so working with a breed like them that has such a high prey drive around to other animals, especially smaller animals, is something you've really got to work with. And it's not a case of you've trained it and that's it done. You train mm. it and you keep on top of it. And, you know, even if you do it once a week, just to keep on top, Nuka's five and a half years old now, and she's been trained as a fully registered assistance dog for the last three years now. But I still, on a weekly basis, keep that recall training um, in top form mm. because you just, you never know. No, no. And that's the scary thing, isn't it? I think people get a little bit too overconfident and then you see them walking down the road with no lead or the lead yeah just I see that a lot side. around where I live at the moment yeah and you think oh I just hope a squirrel doesn't drop out of the tree at any moment because yeah, yeah or a cat runs across scary. the road yeah yeah exactly yeah not to get too overconfident that's the key I think very much so <laughs> yeah brilliant oh thank you so much Sarah and um, just to finish off could you tell us your top tip to owners who are struggling with their puppies not quite getting on with their family as they imagined Top tip, again, reward-based training. The more you can reward your puppy for good behaviour, the better they're going to be. Simple as that. Kennel Club Good Citizen, doing the puppy foundation or going to puppy school or any dog trainer in the area that can help them um, get as much information and advice as they can get. Fabulous. Lovely. Thanks ever so much, Sarah. And thank you to our lovely listeners. If you enjoyed our episode, make sure you leave a rating and a review and let us know if there's anything else you want to know. And thank you again, Sarah. That's okay, no problem. Thanks a lot, Mel. Nature's Menu is dedicated to the health and well-being of its pets and yours. Discover the world of raw and more by visiting naturesmenu.co.uk. The Pupcast podcast is offering an exclusive 20% discount to its listeners. Simply enter Pupcast20 at the naturesmenu.co.uk checkout.